What's up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of the Matthew West Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew West. And as always, I really hope you like it. Just like the theme song says, coming to you today, not just in audio form, but live and in living color from the story house. We are trying some new things and uh, we thought, why not service the podcast to my YouTube channel as well, where 550,000 of you are subscribing and watching our music videos. And so uh, here you go. We're, we're coming to you in video form as well. So whether you're listening or watching, thank you for joining. I love doing this podcast week in and week out. I love the conversations I get to have. I love the chance to connect with you guys in a different way beyond just the little three-minute songs um, that I put out or my latest album, My Story, Your Glory. Double album, by the way. Have you listened to it yet? I sure hope you had. Anyways, sorry, shameless plug for the new record, but uh, I guess it came out in February, but it's still new in my eyes. And uh, speaking of the new record, the My Story, Your Glory fall tour is getting ready to head on the road, head out on the road in October. Tickets are officially on sale. My my buddy, special guest, Micah Tyler, you might have heard that we announced that he's going to be joining me. 20 cities across the country starting mid-October, and tickets are officially on sale and available for every one of those 20 cities at MatthewWest.com. You click on the tour button, and you can get your tickets. A lot of the VIP passes uh, will be the first ones to go, and in every city, are, that's currently the case. So be sure to get your tickets to that. Come and see us this fall. The My Story, Your Glory Tour, it's going to be a powerful night of worship every single night. A lot of people on the West Coast have expressed their frustration with me because it's been a long time since I've been there. Just know that I'm working on getting to the West Coast as well, hopefully in 2024. Um, Also, the Come Home for Christmas weekend is selling and selling fast, and we need you guys to make sure you don't delay. If you're looking for the perfect Christmas gift, you can get your Christmas shopping done early by coming to Franklin, Tennessee, December 1st through the 3rd. This is our second annual Come Home for Christmas weekend with myself and the West family. We're going to do a special epic Christmas concert for for you guys, and it's going to take place at the Fisher Center on the Belmont University campus, a gorgeous theater. It's going to be epic. We're going to have uh, Christmas dinners. Uh, we're going to sing carols together. We're going to have a songwriter event, a live podcast broadcast, lots of stuff going on. It's a jam-packed event, December 1st through the 3rd. You can also get information for that at MatthewS.com, but there are limited spaces available because it's a smaller, we want it to be a more intimate uh, weekend hanging with you guys. So don't miss that. Uh, those are my announcements for today. Wanted to make sure both of those things are on your radar. Some cool things that are coming up. I've got some new music coming out um, in some unique ways, and I'll give you a hint, Casting Crowns. So uh, that's the hint, and you'll find out more information very soon about that. My guest today at the Story House is somebody I've been a huge fan of for years. Um, I've been a huge fan of his work on screen. And now he has released a really unique 
and uh, powerful gospel album called Fallen, a gospel album for sinners, which means it's for every one of us. And uh, so I'm excited to talk to him about his career on the screen. I'm excited to talk to him about what it's like to step up to the microphone and and make a record as well. The West family was excited for so many different reasons. Uh, my daughters love the movie Parent Trap. He stars in that. Uh, the list goes on. I can only imagine um, this guy's amazing. He's got a powerful testimony to tell. So let's go to the story house with Dennis Quaid. You're rolling. She had a lot to do with the record too, actually. Your wife did? Yeah, sure. And, and so she just has a love of music. Yeah. You know, um, she, you know, learned all her father's music. And so she knows all my music. And Wait, she knows... Would I know her father? Like, fill me no, in. No, her father is a her father is an English professor. Oh, I he, thought you were saying he he's was a- also a, a a poet in uh, in, uh, in uh, kind of faith poetry. Huh. I guess you would call it. Yeah, but um, like inspirational poetry kind of thing. Yeah, it's really good. But uh, she just grew up and. Uh, listening to the radio and listening to everything. She just knows who everybody is. Just, just you know, have like three words of a song or just, a, you know, a couple of bars of an intro and she knows what song it was and what year and all the rest of that stuff. So when you start making this record, Fallen, a gospel record for sinners, which is on Gaither's record label, by the way, I noticed. Yeah, like that's, great people. Had you connected with Bill Gaither before? No, I, I hadn't. What happened was is that I wrote uh, On My Way to Heaven, that song. I wrote that 30 years ago, and I wrote it for my mother. This was after I had gone to what I call cocaine school and gotten over <laughs> my addiction to that. You graduated? And yeah, I graduated. I don't know about the flying colors, but, you know, just because I had to, like, grind my teeth for sure. four years to just sure. stay away from that stuff. But... um I wrote that song to let her know I was okay, and um, wow, and then that song wound up, and I can only imagine. That's right. And when I put it in there, Irwin Brothers suggested me you should write a bridge for it, you know, to kind of connect these verses, which I hadn't thought of. And so I went into the trailer in fifteen minutes. I wrote a bridge. So I like to say it took me 30 years and to write 15 <laughs> minutes to write the song. That's a great song, too. It It's a really good song. I really like it. Man, yeah, you're... I've uh, got another recording of that song that's going to be released next year. Uh, just an alternate version? Uh, it, no, it was like I put it on my, I put it on my record that I did with the Sharks, you know, even though it didn't really belong there in, in, huh. a, in a sense of, you know, the rest of the music. But Tanya Tucker heard it. And called me up, and I hadn't seen Tanya Tucker in decades. She was actually my very first leading lady. Delta Dawn. As an actor. Really? Yeah, I was 24, and she was 20 or something like that. And uh, we did a TV movie called uh, Amateur Night at the Dixie Bar and Grill. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. And it was like Don Johnson was in it. Oh, and my it gosh. Like, every, like... Uh, television actor yeah. or whatever uh that era was in this <laughs> and uh 
So uh, she said, to, I heard this song and I, I want to do it. I said, wow. You're okay. kidding. Yeah, sure. You can do it. Then she called me back 15 minutes later. She said, Chris Christopherson wants to do it. What? So she went and recorded the tracks. And then uh, Chris was in L.A. and recording at Shangri-La. So I went out there to, you know, my hero, Chris Christopherson. That's what I was going to ask. And, yeah, so I go into Shangri-La and I go into the wrong studio and it was Neil Young was in there listening. <laughs> You're like, kidding. They only have two rooms, and so Neil Young's in the other one. And, and Christophus is in the other? Chris is in the other with, with uh, Tanya, and uh, it was a real thrill. So Christopherson uh, and Tanya Tucker mm -hmm. singing a song you wrote. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. And we're going to get to hear that, like, soon? Yeah, sure. That's coming out? Yeah. When is that coming out? I, I would say... Uh, Probably at the end of the year. Ten, you can't put it out right now because yeah. uh, she's, you know, of her record that's out. Right. So they have, it's kind of a non-compete, I guess. I got a funny story. Tanya Tucker, it's funny you mentioned her name because uh, one night my wife and I were out of town and we get an alert that someone's at our front door. And uh, my we were gone, so our kids were home. Did Tanya's bus break down in front of your well, house? Well, <laughs> She was showing up. She thought she was coming to a party. Oh, really? And she she was at the wrong address. But this, so we see this blonde lady jiggling the handle at our front door, trying to get into our house. And my wife looks at. She goes, "That looks like Tanya Tucker." <laughs> she burglarizing our so, house. Sure enough, it was Tanya Tucker. And then somebody right. shouts from the car, "We're at the wrong house." And she looks in the camera. She goes, "Sorry." And then she runs off. I was like, "Hey, how how Nashville is that? Yeah, that Tanya Tucker is, is ding dong funny. ditching your house." Hey, if you ever need to write a song, just talk to Tanya Tucker for like about five minutes, and she'll throw you'll throw out if you're listening about five phrases that would be great song titles. Like she just talks in song yeah, titles. Yeah, she just talks in song titles. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. So okay, I I could have guessed that maybe Christopherson was one of your and Brandy Carlisle's doing backup vocals on that song. Yeah, because that was recorded back when Tanya was doing her other record with Brandy Carlisle. And Brandy was kind enough to do some background vocals on it too. You know how they always talk about like having bucket list items, but then there's well, that was it. well. Aren't there things that happen though that you're like you didn't even think to put that on your bucket list? That has to yeah, be one of those. Exactly. That's yeah. It, it, that happened has happened to me a lot in my life. That's why my autobiography is going to be called "My Lucky Life" because mm -hmm. it's just I can't believe the things I fell into. Yeah. The uh, the why me Lord that Christopherson song you recorded on that is yeah. that did you did you pick that for a specific reason is that one of your favorites that he's written I, I've always related with that song yeah and going way back yeah you because know, it is it is about a sinner it's about a sinner and um it's about a sinner who does it it hardly has the words to uh. For anything, and it, you know, then I heard hearing the story of how, how that song came about. He went to church with Johnny Cash, really, and I, I think he was really hungover, and he just really just felt bad, and he just was, and he was mm -hmm. kind of bored, and just trying to get over a hangover. And he said he was struck. He was struck, uh, you know, by the Holy Spirit. Was what it was, and. um that's 
I think he wrote it that night. I think it just came spilling out. There's a when I listened to your record, there's I, I was thinking about I was with the taking a walk with the dogs this morning and I was listening to your record and I was like, the words that kept coming to mind were like honesty, transparency, nostalgia, mm. and like and then gratitude. And like that you recording that Christopherson song, that why me, Lord, like there's an honest gratitude that comes through in the songs that you're singing. Yeah, even, I even like the that there's joy. Joy, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, you know, just uh, Jesus, you know, talked about, there was joy. That's real, the joy of being alive, uh, you know. Heaven on, heaven is spread out upon the earth and man can't see it. It's, you know, the joy, enjoy it. It's, it's And the joy of a second chance. It's the, the experience yeah. of heaven that you know, here. And that's, yeah, that's what I wanted to, to have in it. Do you relate to the Christofferson moment of like going to church with Johnny Cash and having kind of like, have you had a moment, like, can you think of a moment like that in your life that led you to go, I want to sing songs like this that are talking about my faith? What was that moment for you? I mean, that led me to, I want to sing songs like well, this to, or just... Just to belief, you know what I mean? Oh, to like, belief. Um, oh, yeah. I've had... I've had several of of those uh, all in every era of my life. I mean, it, it happens a lot that the the getting struck that's uh, just out of the blue, uh, or, you're or, just, or coming upon something, yeah. or, you know, an, or a little event or something that happens, and you just feel God's presence mm. right then and there, and. You know, outside of you, inside of you. Yeah. That uh, it's it's very real. It's very real. Yeah. And it's uh, I I call it like I I talk a lot when I have guests on. I talk about my way of saying it is I call it a blue couch story because for me, I remember being 13 years old and I sat down in the like basement of my childhood home in Chicago, Illinois, and I turn on the TV after school. And I was looking for a Cubs game, but I stumbled across an old rerun of a Billy Graham crusade. Mm. And Billy was preaching to this stadium of people, and he was reading John 3.16. I remember he said, those are 25 wonderful words. He called it, he said, the gospel in a nutshell. And the, and the choir was singing one of the songs that you put on this record, which I love so much, your version of Just As I Am. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget it, Just As I Am, without my without a plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. And like it was one of those moments where like it just became real. And he was asking anybody in that stadium, like who, you know, any sinner who wants to find forgiveness, but he was talking to me sitting on a blue couch. And I remember, right. and I prayed a prayer that day, and I really felt like that changed my life. You know what I mean? So I call that like my blue couch story. Those moments where your eyes are open because your heart's been touched and you're like, there is a God and I think I need him. Yeah, because you just know inside you. It's it's really, it's a feeling and it's something that you don't have words for. And that is what ultimate truth is really about because you have no words for it. You, you, know, you can point to it. And that's what Billy's doing, but you know, it's it's you, there are no words for it. Yeah. You know, Moses asked God what his his name was, and he said, "I am that. <laughs> I am that. I am that. I am that." You know, which uh, you know, yeah. 
has no form or what, but it's, 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 it is just there. Yeah. And uh, Billy Graham was my, he was kind of like my spiritual father in a way. Uh, growing up, he was, um, he was it as far as I'm concerned, as far as the, the, the preachers that were on television or that impacted you? Anybody. I uh, just had the kind of impact that he had, you know, speaking to millions of people, but he, like you just said, how he could hit you personally right then and there. And he was... Powerful. Yeah. He was totally uh, sincere, you know, and out to serve God. Yeah. Uh, I remember hearing that uh, what is... After, when he went to heaven, what did he want God to say to him? And he was like, well done, my good and faithful servant. Yeah. It's the only reward he wanted. Yeah. Or. And that, I mean, yeah. the legacy he's left behind. Did you, did your uh, paths ever cross before he passed no, away? No, I, I really regret that too. I would have loved that. So it's funny, like sitting here with you at this table, uh, so I went from being a 13 year old kid, you know, whispering a sinner's prayer with Billy Graham on TV mm-hmm. to several years later, I was doing a, a concert in Asheville at the Billy Graham Library. If you haven't been there, it's still there. It's this beautiful oh, really? retreat center. It's gorgeous. Oh, wow. But they had this little theater. And man, you doing a concert with these songs oh, that'd there? That'd be fantastic. That would be incredible. But um, his his kids run like they're in charge of this. It's this beautiful retreat. The hotel room you stay in, there's no TV. It's just windows from wall from floor to ceiling, and it's you're looking out. You're in the woods. Mm. Anyways, um, his grandson Will Graham said, "Hey, I got a surprise for you," and he drove me up into the mountains, and we showed up at his granddad's house, Billy's oh. house. Mm-hmm. And I got to sit at his kitchen table. And this was, you know, maybe a year before he, he passed away, maybe maybe two years. And wow. we, we sat and we drank root beer together. <laughs> that was his favorite treat. Right. And we got to talk and I got to thank him and tell him, hey, I, I was a kid watching you on TV. And it, I'll never forget it. Like, And he encouraged me. He said he knew I was a singer too, you know, and he said, he said, when you get on stage, you know, don't just entertain people. Like, you give them the same opportunity that I gave you. And so, like, at my concerts, I end with a prayer in honor of what he told me to do. Well, that's Isn't that cool? Wow. So, I, okay, amazing. so I have to ask you. Well, first of all, I have to tell you, before the cameras were on, Dennis Quaid walks over to my piano and starts just ripping some Jerry Lee Lewis. I'll just tune it for you. But the piano, I've never played it and had it sound that good. I didn't realize. I've seen Great Balls of Fire. I don't know that I realized that was really you playing the piano. So that yeah. was very impressive. You right. filled this house. You, we call this the story house. You filled the story house with music right when you walked in. I do want to tell you I helped you avoid um, a meet and greet today because my wife had a, a, lunch, and, uh, a lunch with her girlfriends at 12 o'clock today. And I told her that Dennis Quaid was coming, and she said, I think I'm going to move our luncheon over to our house so that everybody can. So I said, no, well, honey. What food are they serving? 
I'm just saying, I, I, I helped you avoid. You didn't uh, give me the opportunity. <laughs> well, I'll feed you too, but I just figured you didn't want a 30-minute photo op. But oh, everybody in the West House was excited that you were oh, coming over today. Nice. Big fans of you. Uh, so being in front of a microphone, cutting vocals with headphones on, be in front of a, being in front of a camera, filming any number of the amazing movies you've done, uh, are they the same kind of adrenaline rush? Same kind of like, which one's scarier? I mean, being in front of the camera or stepping up to the mic and making your gospel record? Uh, really, uh, both both different, but, but the same, I think. You know, probably scarier, the gospel record uh, thing, because it's so personal, you know, the things that you're uh, talking about. You know, you really can't hide in a studio, you know, once you, you know, open your mouth and start singing and you're putting, and yourself, out you're putting yourself out there. Yeah. And, you know, it's, you, uh, usually you just met the musicians and they usually don't comment, you know, and uh, oh, like out of, out of, you know, out of just respect for the process or whatever, you know. Or, or like they won't say, oh, I like this song. Or, yeah, you know, <laughs> but eventually, but, you know, you're, you're met with silence. It's not like doing it at all. For an audience or whatever, it's, so it's you, like in a vacuum. You don't know if you don't know how any of this stuff is going to go over until you really put out. And it, tell you the truth, even the musicians you're doing it with, they don't know either. They're no. focused on doing the music and doing the best job that they can and helping you get it out there. But and, and but you just don't know until you yeah. But you, you like, play it in front of an audience or put it out. You want. It's like you. It's normal to want that affirmation because I've been in the studio of and it is. when those and those and they're all world class musicians yeah. and you're like going, does this pass the t like? Yeah, you know what I mean? Because they're some of the most discerning critics of music too, right? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I've been in that silence yeah. and played oh, them my song. Authorities, in <laughs> fact, those, those session guys. Oh, I had a drummer. Ooh. I had a, a great legendary drummer. You'll get a kick out of this, Dennis. And it was my first record I was making. And I played him the song, and this guy started saying, like, you know how you were saying uh, the Irwin brothers told you to write a bridge to your song? Mm. This drummer goes, man, this whole section here, what do you call this? Is this your bridge? I'm like, yeah. He's like, man, that's crap. Cut that out. I'm like, what? Like, that's got lyrics to it. Like, this is my, <laughs> this is like my blood, sweat, and tears, yeah. and this drummer was just. But you know what I realized? Like, they were just testing me. Because they wanted it. So I I, I kind of fought back. I was like, here's why mm. that's on this. And he goes, all right. And he kind of backed down. But mm. being in the studio with the musicians can be an intimidating thing. Yeah. You they clearly held your own, though. Well, uh, there are great people around me. Uh, ben Isaacs, you know, uh, him producing uh, the people he brought in to play. And it really, he knows he, he knows faith music so well, Christian music so well. Yeah. Those hymns and bluegrass, and you know it, that it, that he was perfect. I wanted to have that kind of old time feel to it. Oh, you nailed yeah. it! Yeah, and then David Ferguson on the other side. You know, he, he was a protege of Jack Clement, who was also my mentor, yeah. and you know worked with Johnny Cash and yeah. John Prine and and. Uh, yeah, I can go on and on and on, but he had he had that kind of outlaw, yeah, type of feel. You know, they've been out in the real world, been dinked, 
you know, you know, a few times. Yeah. You know, like Chris Chris sitting in church, you know, hungover for the and I wanted that in there too. Yeah, man. I wanted that kind of feel in there. And that's why, you know, I called it, you know, gospel record for sinners. I just didn't want it to be all so shiny. I wanted yeah. it to be because that's where Jesus went. Jesus went into places of ill repute. Yeah. I love that title, Fallen, a gospel album for sinners, because yeah, I wanted the largest audience possible. Yeah. Because that's, that's every single one of us, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah. You know what I mean? All are welcome, right? Yeah. Come just that's as right. you are and and find grace in that. That's yeah. Powerful. Just as I am. That's exactly right. right. Just as I am. So when it came to the, like, did you grow up like listening to the hymns and stuff like that? I'm curious. Obviously, the hymns you picked to complete the record, like, were those picked because like they're significant in your own journey? Yeah. And mostly from my childhood, like, just as I am was, you know, about Billy Graham because it was that moment, they, you know, that time that he would call people forward. Yeah. And it was very contemplative. And, George Beverly know, Shea you know, was singing in the background. You could feel the gravity of yes. of the message in, in that silence. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, uh, What a Friend We Have in Jesus was yes. my mother's favorite. Okay. Uh, and... Uh, you know, all the rest were, they were picked for very personal reasons. Yeah. The Lord's Prayer was on television. They used to have, television used to sign off network TV. It didn't go 24 hours a day. There'd be like a five-hour period where they would just go off the air, yeah. <laughs> have a picture test pattern, you know, of an Indian chief. Yeah. And uh, right before they did that, they would play this kind of a video of, Playing, going through the clouds, and the Lord's Prayer was sung by Bing Crosby. Oh wow! So I wanted to do my own version of it. Could you imagine? Because that is, you know, that song was written by Jesus. Right. He the gave scripture. He gave the Lord's Prayer to his uh, disciples. They say, "How, how do pray. we pray?" This is how you should pray. So he wrote that. Can you imagine the Lord's Prayer being on public television now <laughs> i don't think yeah we're talking about network you know that's uh, network, like, yeah. you used to like just go off the area all right i could tell oh, yeah for sure those hymns though i could tell there was just a personal connection with all of one of the things that i love and when you guys listen um to the record and it's available everywhere by the way everywhere you stream albums you know spotify apple all the things so when you go listen to fallen what's what's unique is that a lot of times, if you're going to listen to a record that's got a handful of originals and then um, a handful of hymns or classics or traditionals, you might expect it to be like a shift in gears from one to the other. But the way that you've written and composed your original songs carries the same weight when I'm listening to them as an old Christofferson song or the hymns, like there's a oh, scene, the musicality through and through, but also the way that you've written, like on my way to heaven, like the fact that you wrote that song 30 years ago, it like it just carries this same feeling of like, it it didn't feel like oh okay here's a new modern song. It's like you just they all felt like they were coming from somebody. Like it was like no matter how young or old they were, th there's an old soul in a deep well deep down there. I really, I've always been attracted to music which sounds like it was written by Anonymous. You know, like Life is Like a Mountain Railway, that yes. song. It's, you know, somebody wrote it. Uh, and uh, you know, a lot of these songs were written by people who were 
on their way west out in the prairies, you know, and uh, about their environment, you know, like in a vacuum. And um, maybe uh, lost who the original uh, writer was. But I, I, I love songs that sound that way. And um, I guess it's also about Like Why Me, Lord. The songs are about somebody uh, that, who's wrestling with wrestling with God, yeah. wrestling with their uh, own sin, uh, their, uh, you know, what they've done in their life, uh, self-examination. Yeah. And... Uh, well, that would explain, too, why, like, Christofferson and Tanya Tucker would hear your song and want to record a version of it. Like, the same way that you would go find a song that felt anonymous enough where it was like, that song feels like it's lived in and somebody else can find their life in that song. Well, that's what I'm, that's what I'm aiming for. Yeah. I'm aiming to relate to people. Yeah. Because, you know, that's what I'm aiming to do. So you played the Opry recently. Do you think you'll, uh, are you going to hit the Opry stage regularly? Is that something you enjoy? That was my fourth time playing the Opry. And, um, but it felt like the first because, you know, it was like with the record coming out and all the rest yeah. of that. And I just love it over there. Yeah. It's unbelievable, it's, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, it's a great experience. You know, from growing up as a kid, you just used to watch it uh, on Saturday nights in Houston. So much history. Yeah, it was televised back then. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you've got Nashville roots, you were telling me, when you got to the house. Um I mean, born, well, Tennessee born in Texas. Oh, yeah, Tennessee yeah. roots. You were born in Texas, but... Yeah, my grandfather, he lived... He was born about uh, 30 miles from here, and they lit out for Texas in a covered wagon when he was three years old, so... Incredible. Yeah, and I've got a lot of cousins here. And I... Uh, I'm really glad I moved back here. It just feels very much like home. It's a very collegial town. Yeah. And just real people. Yeah. And really has retained its culture uh, in spite of its growth. That's right, yeah. How many, uh, are you planning concerts, touring? Or Do you like to tour? Yeah, I do. I like to get out and play. I do. What, what's your favorite type of venue to play, other than the no-brainers like stepping on stage at the Opry in that circle? I like but, to play theaters, like small theaters, you know. Um, and, you know, but there's there's uh, new experiences for everything. You know? yeah. I've played in front of 40,000 people before, and in some ways that's easier to do than playing in front of 10 yeah. because it's such a sea of energy out there, you know. So that felt a little bit easier. Yeah, it's kind of counterintuitive, but forty thousand people—it's kind of easier. What, what, when was that? Was that recently? Uh, years ago, some golf tournament event, and then <laughs> at the Cowboy Stadium. At Cowboy Stadium, yeah, holy cow, a thing there, and uh, but it's uh, yeah, you know, but I think of the like the little. Uh, Theaters, you know, about a hundred people or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Is and you know, I just I like playing. I yeah. do I do like the experience of of playing on stage and you can connect with the audience. It's like fellowship. Yeah. In a sense. 
could you see yourself doing like multiple gospel records with like more hymns and things like that? Like, is this feel like the first of many, or was this a form of creative expression and faith expression where you're like, I just want to do this one record? Like, how, or is it too soon to know? Uh, I guess I think it's too soon to know. You know, it's, I really kind of feel like I was like with this record, I was called to do it in a sense. Um, Cause I'd written on my way to heaven and uh, then I wrote fallen about six years ago with that kind of like Tennessee Ernie Ford. Yeah. Uh, type of, you know, yeah. Kind of idea. And, um, definitely about, you know, that whole idea of the, the prodigal son having fought, which I relate to so much. And, you know, every Baptist does. That's <laughs> 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 a great, it's a great story. And, um, and then, you know, uh, I, I really kind of, Gaither came along and wanted, you know, out of the blue and wanted to do a record with me. And so how does that work? Did I, he call I, you? And see, I kind of felt like, well, I'm kind of being called to do this because yeah. I'm, and the things I wanted to write about, you know, writing about uh, your faith, you, there's, it's, you can't get any deeper than that. And they're, you know, they're questions that, that transcend everything and seep into all segments of, of, of music, of society, because there's some basic questions. Who am I? You know, why, why am I here? Why do you love me? Why does, yeah. <laughs> why does all this thing, is it fate or is it ordained? Or is it, yeah. All of these things. Am I a good person? Yeah. I, you know, why am I? What such would a bad Jesus person? do? All that stuff. <laughs> yeah. You're is, right. Uh, you know, it's about life, and so it's 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 great to 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 write in that way. Yeah, and I don't think they have to be labeled faith music or uh, or. Uh, in the same way, like you know, faith films. Uh, they call them faith films now. You know. Yeah. Uh, what's your thought on that? Like, um, my thought on that is that they're just really good films. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're I mean, aspirational or whatever, it, whatever it is. Uh, you know, you can have God in a movie, and you don't have to call it a faith film. Yeah. Why do we have to label? Why it do we that? have to label yeah. all that? You know, it's 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 it's. Uh, you know, it's about the it's about the spirit. You know, a human spirit. It's like, uh, what's the um, and God just happens to be present. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I can't tell if the label comes from the faith based side of things wanting that label, or if it's put on it by Hollywood, or it's 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 labeled that by Hollywood. Yeah. You know, faith movies used to be like uh, mean, not very good. Right. And. Uh, they were right, actually, right. in some ways. But then, you know, uh, along came the Irwin brothers and a few other people. And um, I can only imagine. And The Shack. That the was shack like was before, before the, the Shack was excellent. Man, that book, heart, I mean, that just. 
Yeah. Rips your heart out. And they yeah. really they put that story and uh, everything together. Well. What about um was it Blue Miracle? Um Blue Miracle. Tanya uh, Tucker's calling him right now. No, He's it's John Myrick, actually, who <laughs> oh, is really? yeah, was the, the assistant uh pastor at uh, Van Nuys Baptist Church, lifelong friend of mine. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Um, but it was Blue Miracle, right? Yeah. That was a great movie. You need to take it? Go no, for it. No. Sorry. If Dennis Quaid gets a call, he God. take the call, man. <laughs> so Come on, man. You, you might have gotten offered another movie right there. We just no, missed it. That's definitely not it. Oh, that, was, definitely... that was John Myrick again. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought that was a great movie, too. Uh, yeah, that's a, I guess you'd call it, you know, that's. That felt like inspirational, right? It, because it was Catholicism, does that make it not a faith film? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's an aspirational movie. <laughs> we don't need to split hairs. <laughs> so, yeah, it was just, but it was, uh, yeah, it was a really good movie. And um, uh, so I think we originally started talking about the labels of the of this. Yeah, faith-based. And, yeah, I just plan on, I just plan on uh, writing more songs, and uh, I love singing, uh, doing gospel records, and it, I love those hymns and all those songs that you know barely scratch the surface of. How so, do you approach your writing? Like, is it a? Are you picking up a guitar most days around the house, or uh, we were we were kind of geeking out over different guitars, and you, you got a good one, mm -hmm. a new one, a new old one that yeah. I'm jealous of already, but. You know, for me, it's funny. I was just reading. Um, somebody asked this famous author, "Do you write uh, only when inspiration strikes, or do you uh, do you write on a schedule?" And the author said, "I write only when inspiration strikes. Fortunately, it happens to strike every morning at nine a.m. sharp, which means he's disciplined. Yeah, he's disciplined he, enough yeah. to do that. I pl I play every day, and then just sit down, and it's uh." Something comes to me at least, I'd say at least on a month. Yeah. Uh, write a song a month. I'd like to say I write a song like a week. Right. But I, right. If that just doesn't happen because the, 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 I, it usually comes in a musical idea. Okay. It doesn't come in. In, in lyrical form yet? In lyrical form. And then in playing the musical idea, um, I just leave myself open to a phrase. Or some you know that's that comes out of it yeah. uh, that just comes naturally, and then um, I have written, uh, you know, with a, like as an assignment before. Yeah, but uh, it usually comes comes out of a just sort of happens, and then yeah. once I catch that phrase, yeah, then I can write a verse. Yeah. I'm always interested to ask that question when and I'm then talking. Once I write a verse, I know I've got a month until <laughs> <to laughs> the next thing <laughs> to get that one together. But then you wrote a bridge in 15 minutes in your trailer. Yeah. I try to write the bridge now as well within that month. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, like some people say, like bridges are more like in Christian music more than because in country music, a lot of times they'll go to the solo, yeah, and they'll trade solos or whatever, yeah. right? But I think the bridge can be the moment where you add that last little lyrical twist which mm -hmm. is probably what the Irwin brothers were going this is what we need in the movie yeah. right it's that it's that thing that it's the thing that ties it all together 
Yeah. Bring no. it sends that message. Maybe gives that third chorus one last final way in mm-hmm. or punch to it, you know? Mm-hmm. So um last maybe last question for you would be um the message of grace comes through just loud and clear on your record. And it's funny you were saying about why do we put like faith-based labels on music or records? Because this your record falling is for everyone and there's inspiration to be found to it. I'll never forget when I find it's so funny because my music was mostly like in Christian music, but my first record deal, I was signed by Tim Dubois and Tony Brown, who were country music legends. Mm-hmm. And I remember they said to me, they're like, Mister, we don't do Christian music, but there's something about your music that we like. And I feel like someone who picks up your album, even if they don't listen to like Christian music, they might feel the same thing. Go, well, I don't really listen to faith, but there's something about this because it's so relatable and so honest. And honestly, I think when somebody says they're gravitating towards something with a faith message, but they don't claim to have a personal faith, I always feel like what they're gravitating to without even knowing it is that message of grace and redemption. Yes, exactly. Because they feel like they need that in their lives. And when we, we all do, uh, need that in our in our lives and you know there's uh i mean i myself uh, you know i went to sunday school growing up in church and you know around 12 13 i just i got very disillusioned with i guess what i'll call churchianity it just didn't seem to match up with the reality of of life uh around me and um um hmm. a lot of things seemed hypocritical and yeah, you know, so I was a seeker in that sense, and I, uh, you know, I, I I think people get confused and or, or whatever, or maybe some churches that's the way, the way it is or whatever. But we feel like we feel judged for one by human beings. Uh, yeah, the personal the personal relationship of Jesus Christ is your relationship with Him personally. That's right. Now you don't need a church for that. Yeah. You don't need a approval, you know, a approval of, of an priest of this or, or a congregation or anything for that. That's between you and Him. And um, it's uh, so it's 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 not really about a, a living like a Boy Scout life and doing, you know, being good, good, good. There's certainly good deeds and all. That's great. But it's, uh, it's, it's about who you are really inside. You know, it's, it's not like a scorecard or, or the Gee, yeah. check the box or a gold star or this or that. It's about your real relationship yeah with him and that's what everybody's looking for that'll pretty that's it's always accessible that's right it's so surprisingly simple we make it more complicated oh, don't we yeah we really I like when you, when you said scorecard that hits deep because i do feel like there's a lot of times where it's like i believe that god forgives me but i have a hard time letting myself off the hook sometimes yeah and that's where for sure and when i hear you singing why me lord it's like it's that that's the human condition grace is such a hard thing to wrap our heads around mercy 
it's hard to understand mercy because it's something we don't deserve. Right. And and so to just to keep to allow it to be as simply profound as it is, which is just to receive a just gift. Just to receive it and let it go. Deserve. I mean, that's what's really keeping you from, from, good, from experiencing the joy of life, of, of, of experiencing heaven. That's what Jesus came here to do. Yeah, man. To take all that away. Give that all to me. It's like serve pro like it never even happened. That's <laughs> yeah. that's the way it that's good. Then. That's the way it was with sin, so that we could tied directly into that experience that he experienced. Yeah. Instead of taking that long road Instead to try to earn our it. shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That's inspiring, Dennis. I'm so glad to have the chance to talk to you today. And uh, congratulations on the release of this awesome record. I know everybody's going to be going and listening to it and add it to your quiet time too. That's I my just, I just had to, I had to pinch myself several times that uh, I'm just so gratified about the uh what has happened since it yeah, and to, the response to it? Yeah, um, to get that coming out. It's it uh, it does feel <laughs> it does feel good. I gotta say, yeah, because like like you said, whether you're on camera or in front of a microphone making a record, you you put yourself out there, mm. and and I think, but I mean, so many people are such big fans of you, and for so many years, because you do that in such an honest and authentic way, whether you're you know, playing Jerry Lee Lewis or, you know, and I can only imagine all these amazing movies you've done, but then stepping up to the microphone and and being honestly you, telling your honest story and doing it in the hopes that somebody else can grab onto the beautiful simplicity of grace is uh, is something to be proud of. So I'm glad that it feels good and you're getting great response from it and I'm not surprised either. So thanks for coming over to the story house. Thanks for having me, Matthew. Me. I really enjoyed myself. Well, uh, I'm going to have to see that old vintage martin that that you yeah, bought for sure and we'll have to uh get together and play it. maybe write a Why song not? or two one of these that's days what, that's what i love about nashville you know it's very collegial and it, like big big stars they still like you know come over and sit on the couch and play guitars it's not like oh I, that's my work and i just you no, know that no. i don't do that there's you that know, communal it's the, like they still like you know so you feel like hey having fun with so it. being in nashville if you you've you've connected with a lot of you know different country singers and things like that and yeah been able to kind of build a community you should that. have been at my birthday party we had oh, karaoke man. it was great to get my invite up doing I must karaoke. Have lost, the invite got lost stuff the they'd mail. never done before it was well, really you had great some country star was tanya there was she oh you should it up? see like jamie johnson doing to dream the impossible dream <laughs> oh gosh that's amazing <laughs> Oh, that sounds like fun. Next year. Yeah. Next year, invited. put me on That'd the list, great. all right? Yeah. Thanks, Dennis. I appreciate you being here today. You man. bet. All right, now it's time for songs from the Story House. Um, today's song from the Story House is from the My Story, Your Glory album. It's from the Your Glory album, the worship album. And uh, my dad, during Dadvice, is going to share a little more context, and so... I grabbed my guitar here, here it is, and I thought I'd just play a little bit for you today instead of playing the album version or something like that. You can obviously go listen to the full the full version, but I've had a lot of comments from you guys saying you enjoy when I share the voice memos and things like that, so I thought I'd just sing a little bit for you today. This song's written from the perspective of somebody who's... Um, reach the end of uh, their ability to try to fix what needs fixing. And it's inspired by a true story. Uh, 
a friend of ours named Julie, and um, my dad's going to share a little bit more about that story here in just a moment, but I just wanted to sing this for you today, sing the verse and the chorus for you, and uh, maybe it'll speak to you. Maybe you're in need of a miracle today. Maybe you feel like uh, you've hit the end of your ability to know how to fix it, and uh, you're willing to come to the one who you read about in the scriptures that does miracles and Maybe you're willing to believe that he can still do a miracle in your life today. I've done all I can do. I've cried all I can cry. But this mountain still won't move. And I've tried all I can try. It's out of my hands now. God, it's miracle time. The storms refuse to pass And the stone's been put in place The only hope I have Is that you still roll stones away It's out of my hands now God, it's miracle time It's miracle time it's miracle time I'm fixing my eyes on the one who does impossible things Cause it's miracle time It's miracle time So I'm lifting my eyes to the one who does impossible things He's my dad. He gives good advice. And that's why the last segment of today's show is called Dad Vice. And here's his theme song. Check it out. He is my dad and he gives good advice. And that's why this segment is called Dad Vice. Dad, send us out with uh, some encouragement today. I'm sure you've got a dad joke to start. Yes. Got some good dad jokes and a, a good uh, good devo today. Um What's a shark's favorite sandwich? Peanut butter and jellyfish. That's terrible. Come on. One more. What's a frog's favorite summertime treat? Hopsicles. Wow. Somebody needed to laugh today, and I think that's that did it you right there. You think that did it? That did it, All yes. Right. Um, Matthew, we've been uh, talking about um, the awesome songs you have on your new double album, and uh, so we're going to continue in that. And uh, the song today and the topic, Miracle Time. And uh, a lot of people can relate to that because they're in need of a miracle or they are sharing people about a miracle that God has done for them. Uh, the lyrics of the song, Miracle Time, here are some of them. I've done all I could do. I've cried all I can cry. But this mountain still won't move. And I've tried all I can try. It's out of my hands now. God it's miracle time. Uh, here are some of the prayer needs that came to us in these past few weeks, all describing a person's need of a miracle. Uh, my neighbor came over this week to ask for prayers for his daughter battling kidney cancer. Jenny is 89 and having surgery for cancer on her head and neck this week. Jerry has a son battling addiction and refuses help. Linda is sitting in the waiting room. Her husband may not survive 
surgery. These are all people in need of a miracle. Mm. Uh, Julie, and uh, Julie is a um, great friend of yours and Emily's, Matthew, had a special prayer time for her husband, J.O., during the COVID situation, who was struggling with complications from COVID. When asked what we should all pray, she could only utter, and this is what she said to you, it's miracle time through her tears. Definition of miracle, biblically speaking, miracles involve God doing something uncommon and usually awe-inspiring in order to reveal himself to mankind. Uh, the question, are you in need of a miracle today? Am I in need of a miracle? Yes, most of us are in that situation uh, far too often. Have we done all we can do and there's still no change? It's miracle time. So here's a few things to consider. One, give Jesus your circumstance. Uh, Job was in a, a tough place, went through unbelievable trials, and Job's friends came to him, and in Job chapter 5 said, but if I were you, Job, I would appeal to God. I would lay my cause before him. He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. We need to lay our needs before the Lord. We need to give Jesus our circumstance to see a miracle. Secondly, believe in a God of miracles. Psalm 77, 14, you are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. Luke 1, for with God, nothing is impossible. We need to believe even when everything seems to stack up against us. We need to believe in the God of miracles. And then lastly, praise him for the miracle before you see it. Psalm 152, praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Some more lyrics. It's miracle time. It's miracle time. I'm lifting my eyes to the one who does impossible things. It's miracle time. It's miracle time. I'm fixing my eyes on the one who does impossible things. My dad advice today is not to be overwhelmed by your circumstances, but be overwhelmed with the possibility of God doing the impossible. It's miracle time. Let's believe it. That's good stuff. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. All right, my friends, that's our show for today. I want to thank my guest, Dennis Quaid. His gospel album, Fallen, a gospel album for sinners, is available everywhere. Give it a listen. Maybe you're heading to church on a Sunday morning. You want to get warmed up and listen to some hymns and some of his originals. Whatever you're doing, take a minute and uh, support Dennis and the expression that he decided to make. To You know, that's not easy uh, for somebody, you know, coming from uh, the Hollywood world to— uh, say, I'm going to share my faith. And so um, I didn't get to really share that with him, but I think in retrospect, that's something I, I'm like, maybe wasn't even thinking of what a bold thing that was for him to do. And even to appear in movies like I Can Only Imagine. So it's it's clear that, that Dennis's faith is a dr driving force of his life, and uh, he's thankful for the gift of God's grace. And, and I hope you've received that gift of God's grace as well. So go check out his latest album. Uh, thank you guys for listening week in and week out. And I just hope to remind you when you join me on the podcast, I hope this is a time that brings you closer to Jesus. Um, that maybe uh, helps you kind of put some of the worries of your life aside for a little while. Maybe more importantly, just be reminded uh, who the author of your story is. It's your story for his glory. I'll see you guys next week. Mm -hmm.